believed it was best if I didn't go looking for my birth mother. All the investigations reached dead ends. The first words were welcome to the family. I met Annie through her half-sister Marcy, who you heard from in the last episode. She knew of the mother she shared with Marcy, but had gotten interested in finding out more about her birth father. Unfortunately, she wasn't able to make connections with the man that DNA matches pointed to as her birth father. Through connecting with Marcy, they were able to come together to research and share their findings to get a pretty good picture of who their birth mother was. By far, the most amazing thing they got from the experience was each other. It was really special to see them connect from the very beginning, and I feel really lucky to have been a small part of their lives at this time. They're both really grateful to have found each other, and I just want to say I think it's really inspiring that they focused on the connections they were able to make instead of the ones that they didn't. Here is my interview with Annie. When and where were you given up for adoption? So I've always known that I was adopted. I was adopted at birth born at least six weeks prem and I was in a human crib at the time in New Zealand. My adoptive mother, uh, mum, uh, had several miscarriages and had been told it was unlikely she'd ever carry a child to term. So my mum and dad had already two boys, my older brothers, and applied for a girl. Ironically, they'd been provided the details of another girl who was available and they were going to proceed with that adoption but her birth mother changed her mind in New Zealand there was a cooling off period of three days for the birth mother after the initial paperwork and my mum my mum was told never mind we have another baby available but she was born prem and you may want to check her out first and my mum and auntie visited me in hospital and the adoption went ahead Wow, so that was a stroke of luck then. I reckon, yeah. You said you had a couple of older brothers that you grew up with? I I did, and we moved to Australia when I was 18 months old, and my mum's mum lived with us in Tasmania, and almost exactly three years after my birth date, mum gave birth to natural twins, my younger brother and sister. So there were five kids in our family. Wow, and you were the only one that was adopted, and you knew that you were adopted. My my older two brothers were adopted as well. Oh, okay. Well, that's nice. Yeah, the family was supposed to end with the adoption of me, but mum ended up actually getting pregnant and carrying twins. Wow, that's crazy. So you basically knew you were adopted your whole life. That wasn't a secret that was kept from you at all. No, and I think with my older brothers adopted, they always knew too. It was just, I I can't even say when I found out, it was always, it was just something I always knew. Okay. So how did your adoptive parents feel that you wanted to search for your birth family? Actually, it came about because my my mum died in 1990 from cancer. She was 56 and I was pretty devastated. She was my best friend and and confidant. And, And although we can't, In my teenage years, I was actually really close to her. But she'd always said to me that she believed it was best if I didn't go looking for my birth mother, as she may never have told family loved ones and recreated a new life for herself. And that could be majorly disrupted if I found and contacted her. 
And she always used to say, boo, that there was so much more to being a parent giving birth so that I should always feel wanted and loved, and I did. So I let it be. But about six months or so after mum died, I was finding it really difficult to get past the grieving process and I spoke to my dad about finding my birth mother and he was really supportive and said he'd do anything to help. That's great. So was there anything they could tell you about your adoption? Did you have your original birth certificate? No, no, I didn't. And no, they didn't. And I suspect my mum actually knew more about it because originally she was going to call me Sarah and she changed it to Anne. And my original birth certificate had my name as Dawn Anne. So... I wondered how much she'd found out, but she had never passed it on. So I had to I had to chase it up. My auntie was still living in New Zealand and she got the details of the adoption organisation and I applied for my original birth certificate. And I found out that my birth mother was an American citizen who worked at the US Embassy in Wellington, which is the capital of New Zealand, at the time of my birth. My aunt, with great persistence, contacted as many people as she could, New Zealanders who'd worked at the embassy, and obtained as much, and I obtained as much information about my adoption from the adoption department. Dad helped me chase up any contacts he could as well. I found out that Joanne, my my birth mother, was 25 when she had me. There was no date of birth recorded on the certificate but she had provided that to the adoption unit, so I had those details. She mm-hmm. Phoenix, Arizona. She had a Bachelor of Arts, enjoyed music, reading, sewing, and played the piano, um, which was ironic because I learned the piano as a child. <laughs> and Joanne had a placement at the embassy in New Zealand as an executive assistant to the US ambassador. And she left New Zealand for a couple of months to have treatment overseas and return more on that later. <laughs> the, social, the social work notes indicated that Joanne's parents were not aware of pregnancy and she had no way of keeping me, but she wished me to be placed in a happy and secure home. So was it kind of strange to you to find out that she was from the United States? Yes, I was I was really surprised, yes, because my adoptive family were, were Kiwis, were New Zealanders. Had you ever been to the United States or did you have any connections to it? Nothing at all. Nothing at all. My family didn't either. Wow. So that was like a foreign land. (laughs) It was. It was. My aunt also discovered that when Joanne had finished her placement, she married a colonel and had been posted to Japan. And it was known that there she took her own life. And... Other than the suicide, most of that information was incorrect. Yeah. Hmm. That's crazy. I subpoenaed court adoption records. I contacted the State Department and Pentagon in the US. We hired a private investigator in Phoenix, which my dad funded. So I think we we tried to be pretty thorough at the time. You know, the online ancestry stuff was not really available at, at that time. And all the investigations reached dead ends and I sort of kept kept taking a break every couple of years and then I'd try again. It was like this itch that just wouldn't go away. Hmm. 
So we had found a man that we believed to be your birth father based on some of the DNA matches, and it looked like he was still alive. Did you reach out to him ever? I, I did. So it never occurred to me or, or seemed unimportant to try and trace my birth father as there'd never been any identifying details provided as to who he was. And I hadn't even given any thought to other relatives that might exist. And that's where you came in. <laughs> so I did I did a DNA test with Ancestry and in 2018. And there was a collection of matches at the first and second cousin level. And I wrote to them all with information I knew about Joanne and heard back from some who didn't know her and didn't hear back from, from others. So for me, I gave up again. What I didn't realise, the highest match, Jerry, uh, who was identified as a possible first cousin, contacted Marcy and said he thought sh she might have a half-sister and should do an ancestry test. And uh, they had hooked up by DNA testing from another provider, which is how they got to know each other. Mm -hmm. And so, so I didn't really get onto the to the dad stuff until I'd spoken to Marcy and heard about you. So Marcy and I got in contact over phone. Marcy lived in Georgia but was moving to Florida and I was in Melbourne, Australia. On our first call, I think I might have run in the middle of the night and it was the most overwhelming phone call of my time. And I, I left work, I was at work and went down to my dad's and I was blubbering all the way. My husband and boys were away at the time. Hmm. And after emails with Marcy, my dad and stepmom encouraged me to go to the US. Uh, Marcy and I were having regular discussions over Messenger and we agreed to meet in person. The phone calls were friendly and polite and we were gradually getting to know each other, just a little. We had funny things in common. We both had black cats and we both got hay fever. Dad, my dad funded for my husband, Steve, and myself to go to Florida and meet Marcy and her family, which we did for Thanksgiving in 2018, just before the major COVID outbreak and international travel banned in Australia. An amazing, an amazing trip. I was really anxious on the flights over getting myself quite worked up. But the arrival at the airport involved me and Marcy running to each other for hugs and I met my gorgeous niece, Kaylee, who had a welcome sign made for me. Aww. It was so sweet. We spent the most fabulous week together. We met the extended family. We were warmly greeted. The first words were welcome to the family from Marcy's adopted family, which was really moving for me. And although we didn't look alike... Her family kept noting similarities in our body language, our laugh, and the way we expressed ourselves, despite having vastly different accents. Hmm. And Marcy and I couldn't stop talking. We had 50 years to catch up on. We shared all the information we had on Joanne and any further investigations. Funnily enough, Joanne's trip from New Zealand to overseas to get medical treatment in 1968 was her travelling to Hawaii to have Marcy. Ironically, she was still only 25 years old and piecing our information together, we found out how much Joanne had not wanted to be found and she provided lots of misinformation, including her date of birth. Mm. Marcy, um, Marcy had much more information about Joanne's family, which she'd helped 
uh, dig up and provide to her. She had an older sister, Fran, who had this was deceased, who'd had funds, which were our cousins. Joanne and Fran's parents were of German descent who lived in the US. They were also deceased. We discovered that Joanne had left home and got married a couple of months before her 18th birthday, as had her sister Fran. The marriage was short-lived as she'd had an affair with her professor while she was studying. Hmm. Her first one was still alive and Marcy contacted him to find out he was really bitter still, still and couldn't say a kind word about our mother. We surmised that when Joanne was working for the governor of California in uh, the 60s, that she had an affair that resulted in her getting pregnant with me and getting a placement in New Zealand to hide the pregnancy and put me up for adoption. And we discovered that while in New Zealand, Joanne had another affair with a married man and gave birth to Marcy approximately 18 months after I'd been born. Our whirlwind trip was concluded. We, uh, Marcy and I, had had formed such strong, such a strong bond. It was it was almost like we'd known each other forever, but um, had so much to catch up on. And that's and that's when I contacted you, Miranda. You were so helpful in Marcy's journey for discovering a family. You said you'd help me find my birth father and came back with a high likelihood of who it could be by chasing up and down various family tree links. He, he's never done a test. Surprisingly, he was still alive. He was born in 1927 and lived in Prescott, Arizona. And I wrote the address that you gave me. I was amazed that you could find all this information after I'd struggled so hard. You were obviously a, a detective in the area. <laughs> And I wrote to him and sort of gave him this high-level details of Joanne and my birth and asked if he could remember her. And I indicated it was possible that he was my biological father. I got no response. It was a registered letter, but I, I received information he had received it, but I got no response. And I tried calling the number you provided, but it wouldn't let me record a message from an international number. In the meantime, Marcy and I had planned to meet up and do a road trip together to travel across the US to meet our cousins, a couple of whom had agreed to meet up with us. So last year, in 2022, Marcy and Kaylee and I met up in Los Angeles and hired a car and travelled to Palm Springs. Marcy had to do the driving because I don't drive on that side of the road. <laughs> And we met to meet Matt, a cousin who'd expressed a lot of excitement at catching up with us. As the date grew closer, he seemed to get cold feet in the end, refused to meet up with us when we were in Palm Springs. Oh. Yeah, it was quite, quite disappointing. I also asked Marcy to phone the number I had for my birth father, Raymond. I figured if it came from a second person with an American accent that they might be more open to having a conversation maybe yeah she spoke to his daughter who indicated they'd got my letter and thought it was a hoax oh. she felt that raymond could not possibly be my father as he was married at the time but based on joanne's history <laughs> that that doesn't seem to be a, a an influencing factor but anyway yeah we did another follow-up call because i you know we were in the u.s and uh, we were going to Arizona and Raymond's daughter said she completed a DNA test and we don't know who with 
and that I hadn't come up as a match, so it proved that I couldn't be related. She was really defensive, Marcy said. And at the time, it appeared that she said that Raymond had signs of dementia and his daughter was a primary carer. And she said there were some times when he didn't even recognise her. So it it seemed like time had run out. So um, with that in mind, I decided not to go visit Raymond, even though we'd only be an hour away in Arizona. Mm. There just didn't seem any point. Yeah, that's a tough one because it's like you if you can't really get anything from him, it doesn't sound like the daughter was going to be welcoming to have you guys come. No, no, absolutely not. He, he still lived in his own home um, last year and I don't know whether she lived with him and would have been a gatekeeper. So, yeah, yeah it just seemed like it wasn't wasn't worth pursuing. I don't know whether, because you can look across multiple DNA providers, I don't know whether you would pick up her details, but I don't even know her name, so. Yeah. Probably probably yet again, the story of my life, another dead end. We, we travelled to Phoenix, uh, Marcy and I travelled to Phoenix and met up with our cousins, Jerry and Randy. Jerry was the eldest and Randy was the next eldest. We had a great lunch. They were really welcoming to us as a family and they shared so much about their lives with, with humour and kindness and integrity. We met Jerry's daughters and extended family for the afternoon and evening, which was wonderful and hectic. And they told us so many stories about their childhood and upbringing, some of which, though, were quite frankly fairly disturbing. But that's, that's their story to tell. The following day, we had another lunch with Randy. Neither gentleman knew much about Joanne and they met her and her husband-to-be who was actually a major in the US Army and they were actually posted to Thailand, not Japan. They knew she'd committed suicide and, and there was some discussion from Matt, the other cousin, that, 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 that all may not have been as obvious as, as it said about it being a suicide, but the death certificate was very clear that, 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 that she had self-harmed. And they also said they had a quite a good relationship with their parents. After Phoenix, we headed back to Florida and Marcy and I contacted Mitch, the youngest cousin, and uh, suggested we catch up for dinner. He and his lovely wife lived in North Carolina at the time and they were really supportive of a catch-up. And hey, it was only a six-hour trip by car. Yeah, why not? I was on the other side of the planet. <laughs> we had a lovely dinner. We were invited back to their gorgeous home the following day and we were told stories of their life. They brought out photo albums showing us photos of the grandparents and their kids with Fran. No pictures of Joanne, unfortunately. One story they told us was of Fran relating how their parents had... Uh, only had girls so they could look after their house Hmm. and that grew up feeling basically looked after but felt really unloved. And this this sort of went some way to explaining why both Fran and Joanne left home so early to get married. Yeah. And, you know, I'd love to find out more about their their background and story, but, you know, I I don't think there's anyone else that can help provide that. Marcy stayed in contact with Mitch and Randy and to a lesser extent, Jerry, I, I am the 
foreigner from the other side of the planet. So, you know, it seems easier that I live, um, live the contact through Marcy uh, for that. And and the the story for us, we've we've become such close sisters. We share our lives. We chat several times a week for several hours. We have such a special relationship. It's it's really precious. And Marcy has spoken to my sister in Australia, Kay, mm. and, you know, we feel like we're developing, you know, the, the three sisters there, which is fun. And Marcy and Kaylee plan to visit Australia in mid-2024, and we can't wait. We're so excited about that. That's awesome. Would you have any advice for people that are thinking about maybe starting to search for their own birth families? I think do it. I think it's I think it is such an extraordinary journey, but but pre be prepared as you know, I'm not sure why my mum had said contacting contacting your birth family could cause such grief on their side. But but be prepared maybe to, to have some rejection. And that it's, you know, it's not personal at that point. They've just got on with their lives in a different way. Thank you for letting me do the interview. Miranda, it has been a treat to talk to you. you or someone in your family has been touched by adoption and would like to speak about it, please email me at whathappensafterpodcast at gmail.com. Also, please check out the Instagram for the show to see pictures of my guests that they were so kind to share from the reunions. Listen next time to find out what happens after. Thanks for listening.